Folks, if you're liking what you're getting from 30MPC, the number one way you can support us is by subscribing to our newsletter. Every week, you only get two emails. On Monday, you get a content roll-up of everything that dropped last week. And on Fridays, I pick one topic and I personally write a deep dive on things like how to cold call, how to run a discovery call, or even how to hire an AE. So if you're liking what you're getting here, take two seconds, go to the show notes. You'll see a button to subscribe to our newsletter, or you can go to 30mpc.com backslash newsletter and do it there. We'll catch you soon. Cheers. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. My name is Armand Froek. I'm here with my co-host, Nick Sigelski. And today, we have the one and only, the SDR leader over at Reprise. His name is Tonito De Leon. Nick, why should people listen? Well, if you want to learn how to use self-deprecation and throw your magic wand in the trash, this one might be one you want to listen to. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. If you get an email and the action required on that email is going to take you less than two minutes to do, do it on the spot. It's not worth adding it to your to-do list, having to look at the item, remember what you need to do. That's going to take you more than two minutes anyway. So do it on the spot, get it off your plate. Now we documented our best templates and tips to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang. And you can get that documentation for free at the link in the show notes. Today's tactic to triple your connect rate is brought to you by RocketReach, who provides data that lets you reach out to the right person at the right account at the right time. Every time you're reaching out to an account, pull down the contacts again. Yes, I know it sucks, but the average tech tenure is two years, which means 50% of the workforce turns over every year. So look up the account, pull anyone who was hired, and scratch anyone who was left. And one way you can pull verified and accurate data is with Rocket Reach. So if you like this, check out their toolkit on eight ways to triple your cold call connects in the show notes. Here's my secret to being a sales superhuman. It's auto reminders for everything. If I expect any reply from a prospect, I press command H and superhuman pops it right back into my inbox. If I don't get a reply in two days, that means if you handle an objection, if you suggest times for a meeting, or if you ask for cuts back on red lines, always create a two day reminder task and assume they will not reply. So if you want to follow up on time, every time you can get a free month of superhuman by checking it out in the show notes. Gong's going to help you run the five minute drill at the end of all of your calls today. At the end of a call, pressure test the prospect with three questions. Number one, do you want to buy? If the answer is no, why set a next step at all? Number two, when do you want to buy? If it's tomorrow, we got to move fast. Number three, how do you buy? Based on the first two answers, I can now adequately decide if and how I set a next step. And this was stolen from the Gong 30 MPC 90 Minute Masterclass, and you can steal it too in the show notes. Today's deal acceleration tip is brought to you by Demandbase. If you want to save a ton of time as a salesperson and be more relevant, I recommend you prioritize your prospecting by those prospects who are showing buyer intent. It'll keep you from making a bunch of noise and reaching out to folks who aren't in market, and instead you'll reach out to folks who are in market. Now, we built a bunch of templates to help you prioritize, accelerate, and win with Demandbase, and there is a link to those wonderful templates in today's show notes. All right, Tonito, welcome to the show. We start every single episode with your top three actionable takeaways. So let's get your three. Awesome. So the first one is really just using self-deprecation on your calls. And you can look somewhere like, you know, you're hitting the wall when you're talking to a specific prospect and you're just not getting anywhere. And that's where you just go pushing the brakes and you're like, hey, you know what, Nick, it looks like I'm doing a piss poor job of explaining what we do here at Reprise. Really, the reason why I'm calling you is because A, B, and C. 
And so that allows you to just pivot and really just drop the walls. And that would be the first one. Beautiful. What's number two? The second one really is the assumptive close. This is something where, you know, you're having a conversation with someone on a cold call and you're really just waiting for them to engage. And most of the times you're waiting for them to, to have that light bulb moment. In all honesty, it sometimes won't happen. And that's where we could just use their curiosity to say, hey, you know what, Armand, why don't we do this? Do you have time next week, Monday or Tuesday? There's a couple of examples where there's product marketing managers that have actually created A, B, and C. I'd love to see what your thoughts are on that. And then just pause. That's my second one. Cool. Round us out. What's number three? So the third one is using inflection and using it as a strength and being able to know when you should lower your voice or where you should pick it up a little bit and then how that applies to even outbound email and how to make like really secure that. So sometimes it can look like, you know, when you're asking questions and you're keeping that inflection high, like, hey, Nick, what would love to hear your thoughts. I have something that I want to show you. We help customers with this and it looks like you're asking 10 different questions really, you're really just asking that one. So Tony, one thing that I hate is when everything that a rep says on a cold call sounds like a question. It's like, PAVE is a compensation management platform or 30MPC is a sales podcast. And so maybe we pick the point at which you need to describe what you do on a cold call. What would be the wrong way to do it? And then what would be the right way to do it? Yeah, definitely thing. One of the biggest things that we're hearing, right? So I work for a company called Reprise. We do deep fakes, product tours for customers so that they understand what we do in a nutshell for marketing and sales. So when I'm calling someone who's like a product marketing manager and we're at the thick of the call where I'm trying to explain what we do, it's going to sound something like this, what not to do. Hey, Armand, we help product marketing managers like you display what your product does and really just put it on the front of the website so that your customers can understand what you could do and increase conversion rates. The way that it sounds better would be, hey, Armand, here's what we do. We take your product, we create a deep fake, and you can put it on the website. That way your customers knows exactly what your product does. Cool. And so you're ending on a downtown, right? You're not asking me a question. And also the way that you're inflecting is you're almost like pulling me on the same side of the table and you're like, hey, look, like here's what we do, all right? And I'm curious, Tony, what are you using for your cold call openers in the first place on this vein? Yeah, definitely. So the way I like to do it is just casual. I'm the transparent cold caller. So the way it'll look like would be ring, ring. Hey, is this Armand? Armand, this is Tony. Look, we've never spoken before. Just hoping to catch you in a minute. The reason for my call is, and that's where we just go straight in. Hey, I talked to a lot of product marketing managers and they're hearing two different things, right? And the first pain point is this. The second pain point is this. Just curious, like, does any of these things come across your team at all? And it allows you to just get right into the thick of things where it's like, well, hey, yes or no. The reason why we want to go in and start asking questions, because we just want to know between, you know, myself and the person I'm talking, is this even relevant at all to you? Like, is this even that you're going to spend the next five minutes chatting with me? And then if you say yes, I'll explain to you what we do. And then I have follow up questions. But this way, you know, baseline what we do. And we can both really just have a discussion. Well, what you're doing is powerful. Too many salespeople get taught in college to talk about their value proposition. And the issue with a value proposition is like, it's kind of all about you. You should be leaning on a problem proposition, meaning typically when I talk to people who are in the role that you are, this is a pain. This is something that they don't like doing. This is a struggle that they have. Because if you can solve the problem, that's infinitely more powerful than we're the leading provider of X, or we have 4.9 stars on G2 crowd. And so let's say that you've nailed your problem proposition. The person's like, wow, this, this is sort of interesting. You talk about using an assumptive close on your cold call. Can you talk me through what that looks like? 
how you book that meeting. The reason why you want to go with the sumptive of clothes and the example for that would be, that's like you telling me, right? Okay. Hey, like, yeah, that sounds interesting. And I'll say, Hey, yeah, Nick, absolutely. Well, this is the tip of your, this is what you've been thinking about. Hey, why don't we, are you free Monday, Tuesday? There's two examples that I want to show you where there's specific product marketing managers that created a version of their product, slapped it on their website and converted a whole lot of folks. I just want to show you, and I'd love to hear if this is what your team has been thinking about and then just pause. Yeah. Well, what you're not doing there is you're not continuing to sell once the other person is excited about your thing. And this is like, normally we talk about that in the context of like closing a deal and negotiation where like once they're ready to buy, you stop selling and you just get the deal done. But the same goes on a cold call. Like once they're saying, this is interesting, I would like to learn more, stop talking about your thing. Stop throwing more to make them more eager to meet. Like book the dang meeting and then you can talk about those things in a focused like business context setting. I want to talk a little bit about your approach to LinkedIn prospecting because 99% of the sales reps that I talk to, their approach to LinkedIn prospecting is they send a connection request with a sales pitch or they, what I did in the past was I literally copied my prospecting email and I sent it as an in-mail and maybe one out of every thousand people replied to me. You're doing something different on LinkedIn and I'm curious to hear about it. What I've found that's really helpful is when I connect with you and we try to create what I call the subway experience, right? Where you're sitting down and you're in the subway and I'm a very chatty guy, but you know, when I'm sitting there and someone's reading the book and I'm like, Hey, that's an awesome book about et cetera, et cetera. And then they go into like, Oh really? Yeah, that's awesome. I now have that open door to be like, Hey, by the way, you've got a marketing sweater. What company is that for? That's really cool. But I actually sell to marketing folks. And then, so it, it just kind of brings in that normal human interaction and you're just bringing it into LinkedIn. So one example for that would be if I connect with you, Armand, you're like, oh God, here comes this salesperson. And I look at their LinkedIn profile. It looks like they're just coming in hot with all these, you know, press club and like, I'm going to get pitched the hell out of, right? But I come in there and I'm like, hey, Armand, awesome to see your team grow by 5%. You're killing it. Looking forward to connect, right? And you're doing something, but you picked something very personable. And there's levels to that as well. And they respond back. That's where you can be like, hey, like curious. And that's where you can just run a conversation. The place that you can go to to find that is when you go to Nick, if I go to your LinkedIn page today and I go to see activity, there's two different places that I can go. On the right side, I can see all the posts that you've done, which is awesome. And then on the left side, I can see all the things that you've been interacting, things that you've been liking, the things that you're commenting on. That example that I walked through was just me maybe trying to break the ice and maybe getting them to actually, you know, submit to a meeting with me. But the other two portions would be maybe for the beginning of the actual deal where I'm just trying to get my conversations going. I'm trying to find my champion. And so that's where I'm kind of bringing the walls down and trying to build rapport in a sense where I can go in and ask if maybe in the later pack of the, you know, the deal, I can go in and say, hey, look, Armand, I haven't heard back from A, B, and C. I now have had built some sort of relationship with this person where they would go and say like, yeah, you might want to go and hit up this person in procurement or you might want to do this and that. That's what I'm looking for. And in, in the end of the deal cycle, I'm a big fan of continuing the conversation with the people that I close with or I work with because they're referrals. They can introduce me to other people within their world and their network. You know, like people in marketing, product marketing managers, they have other product marketing managers that they're like, hey, this is really an awesome product or a solution or a tool like me, Tony. Right. And if I built that relationship with someone, they're more than likely to introduce me to other folks. And that's why it's really just important to connect with folks on LinkedIn and keep it real. 
it's amazing. We talk a lot about the power of getting on a texting basis with your prospect because the second you get somebody off of their corporate email account and you're communicating with them, like all of the guards come down. They can say things via text or via LinkedIn DM that they might not say in a email from their company account. And so I sell to lawyers and law firms and most of them are not texting with me, but almost all of them, I'm on like a LinkedIn, it's way more personal communication perspective. And it's just, it's a different type of conversation. You know, when you can get to that, you have a much higher likelihood of getting a deal done or at least knowing what the heck is going on behind the scenes. Are you opposed to like also going into things like a discovery and demo? Because you've actually run a sales cycle on me before and I think you have some killer stuff there. Yeah, so I typically like to start with the one question that just allows you to just write from the start, understand why they're even there, which is like, hey, Armand, look, I outbound a lot of folks and not all of them want to take the meeting as I wish they did, but just curious, like what got you to sit down with me your day for 30 minutes, right? And typically that kind of sets the tone of like what they're working on internally and what they're doing. And once we get further down in the conversation, I have my set of examples that I'm walking through. And this is really important, but if at any point Armand's like, hey, you know what, this is not going to work because we don't have that person yet in the team, we haven't hired that enablement person, or for whatever reason, that's where I'm going to go and pivot. But when I pivot, I'm actually just going to make sure like it's meaningful and with purpose, and I want it to be like, hey, then you know what, in this case, this is actually not even going to make sense for you, right? This is what I recommend. And that type of conversation also is applicable to the pricing conversation, because people can feel that when they're like, all right, hey, like, this is the price. A, B, and C, and D. This is the enterprise package, one, two, and three. Once you start tripping away, hey, you know what? You don't even have a Salesforce integration. I would not recommend this. Instantly, when you say something like that, someone just goes in and they're like, okay, I now have a better fix for what I'm looking for because Tony is removing certain parts of the product that I don't need. So what you're doing is you're asking them why they took the call. And then along the way, you have a couple different checkboxes or use cases that you have in mind. And you're essentially crossing certain ones off Almost to be like, hey, you don't need that. You don't need that. And that will build a sense of trust throughout the process. Now, I'm curious, let's say you land on a use case that you do like. For example, we would like to have an interactive tour demo on our website, but it takes way too much engineering work to actually get that stuff done. What discovery questions do you ask me from there to get past that surface level technical pain? The way I picture it would be like, once you bring me the fact that you would want some sort of product tour, that's where I go in and I think... We're at a table and I'm saying, all right, Armand, let's whiteboard real quick. If you could, for example, have the technical skills to do all that, barring nothing, how would that look like? How would it look like if you could take the features that you know sell well and what would you do? What would you create? And so now you could start telling me, oh man, it'd be so amazing if I can do this, A, B, and C, and D. That's where I go in and say, all right, well, these are the things that we can't do. These are the things that we can do. And these are the things that we would like to be able to work on with you. So why don't we do this? Let's take another call. I know we're just right above the 30 minute mark. And let's kind of go in and really dive deep into those different things. I want to see, maybe you can pull up your website and kind of walk me through those features on their next call. And I'm now selling that next meeting. Well, what you did that's really powerful there is you asked a better version of the magic wand question. There's a question that like, it's kind of cheesy in sales where you're like, if you, Mr. or Mrs. Prospect, had a magic wand and could wave it and could do anything, what would you do? And it's just like, it's kind of cheesy and it makes the prospect cringe. You asked that question, but in the context of, here's the thing that we solve for you, we're like, hey, if you weren't talking to me and you had unlimited engineering resources, time and money, 
Like, what the heck would you build? Because oftentimes the answer that they give you to that nuanced magic wand question is like what you do. And now they've almost sold themselves in a way. And you understand exactly what great is for them. And you can almost match your solution to what they described. But I want to ask you about a pitfall to that, which is what if you ask that question and they describe something that is like absolutely not what you can help with? It's like so far in left field, you're like, oh, geez, like we can't solve that at all. I value transparency and that's where I go in really deep and I say, hey, Nick, this makes complete sense. This is where we're able to work out of in the confines. So I try to big back the big picture, right? It's like, got it. So this is what your creativity brought you. And I bring back, so this is what you're doing today, which is right now you're using PowerPoints. You're doing hour-long PowerPoints and customers are seeing pictures, not videos. They're literally seeing just like static images, right? And I'll go, okay, here's what we can do. And I'll walk them through what we can do. And it might not get close to their creativity because their creativity is going to be amazing. But ours is going to be a better version of what they're currently doing today. And so once you've got this vision where it's like, hey, you've got this problem. You can't set up your tour portal, what have you. It's a bunch of PowerPoint slides or something. Here's what it could look like. And they've agreed to that. Where do you typically take it from there? Then I want to secure the next meeting. So for the next meeting, I start talking about, here's what we're going to do on the next call. And whether or not you're bringing an SE on the call or you're wanting to go ahead and pull up specific examples that tie into that, that one use case, that's where I'll go, look, I have three different customers that created something very similar. And I'd like you to show me what that would look like and how close this would look like to what we would build with you. And if I'm bringing an SE, that's where I would go in and sell. Okay, I'm bringing Nick. Nick's going to walk us through how this would look like and, and really what the analysis that we can do here with you. On that call, these are the things that I'd like you to bring with, which is just an example of what your product does. And if you can send over a couple of examples, just so we can do some homework and grunt work so that we can understand. Really, I'm, I'm trying to make it as sticky as possible where they go into that call and they know it's not just the next step in this person's sales process. It's literally Tony investing into that next call, where if I don't show up, they lose money. They lose hours. What you're doing is you're literally whiteboarding out this journey with them, understanding what their dream state looks like, so to speak. And then on the next call, you're taking case studies of customers who have a similar desired outcome of what they would want their experience to look like. And you're basically using that as your demo. You're not using some generic demo. You're not spending all this time building a POC for them. You are using basically high fidelity versions of what actual customers have done in their tour portals as your social proof. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Here's the reason for why I like using case studies, right? Is because when I'm showing them the case study, I'm having them envision that it's their product and I'm having them put their eyes into what their customer's experience would be. And I'm saying like, imagine if I'm one of the customers that's going into PAVE today and I'm literally browsing through your features and I'm browsing through like the areas that your product can help me out with. What would that look like? This is what this customer did, right? And this is what they did. Here's some, and I'm flipping through what that dynamic tour does but I'm not over-indexing on what they did as opposed to just saying like, here's what they did. What would that look like for you? Because we mentioned it in the first call, dream state, but now I really want you to list what those things are. And these are the things that I'm going to use as a way to be able to track what this particular champion really values. As I'm sure they're going to bring in some other person, that other person's going to go in there and say, this is what I want to see. But that's really what I want to capture because now it's like, well, this is Armand's vision. And this is really what this product vision showed you in a sense. What do you do when you, let's say you've had this awesome demo with Armand, right? 
you met with him, great discovery call. You showed him a, a demo of how 30 minutes to President's Club could be seen like with reprise. And then Nick comes into the sales cycle and Nick has zero context whatsoever. And it's like another demo. And you've got Armand on the line who gets it and Nick who doesn't get it. And Nick like is almost throwing the call off the rails. How do you take a call where like someone has no context and is sort of taking things in the wrong direction? I will literally just ask, hey, Nick, I know you're just being brought into this. I'm assuming that you and Armand had a conversation. I want to go through and walk you through an example. If you don't mind, Armand, is it all right if I just kind of walk through Nick and get him caught up to where we're at today? Some form of just paying attention to Nick and making sure that Nick knows that I value his time and just, you know, what you want to see in the product. Oftentimes what we do is we just continue to steamroll past him. And it's like, that is the easiest way to lose the attention of someone at power. The other day I was buying software and they had demoed to our sales ops teams three or four times. And so they jump in and they're like, awesome. The reason that you're on this call today is to run a deep dive technical demo. And so for an hour, they go into the depths of permissions and configurations. And I'm like, guys, I have no idea what the heck this tool does. And so what you need to do is you need to get into that call and you need to just ask, hey, Armand, you just joined this call. I haven't met you before. How much do you know about Pave or how much do you know about Reprise? And that answer is going to tell you a lot. And then from there is you need to bring them up to speed and say, these are the four things we discussed. And here are the three things that we do that solve those problems. And then here are the two things we're going to show you today. Do you disagree? Do you agree? How do you feel about this stuff before you show any software? But a lot of times people go five minutes into that first call and then it's 50 minutes of demo and you've lost that person from the front end. Tony. I know one of the big things at Reprise is like, you guys end up working with a lot of champions who have to help you get to power and, and sell to people who are way above the power line. Like, do you have any best practices as it relates to working with champions? Yeah, so with champions, as you mentioned before, I like to be in text communication with them. Never will I find a more faster channel to converse with, with anyone that's either a champion or a buyer. Another thing that I wanted to point out is when you're getting them to introduce, that pays dividends at the very end of the call. In that very same call, with champions, we found that once they get into that office internal conversation and you're literally just there and you get to see them kind of go back and forth, I sometimes let them just do their thing. And as a champion to the maybe the person that's buying, you know, the DM and they're kind of going back and forth. Hey, here's what I think we should do. No, 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 that's not going to work. Keep that going. Like that's the best scene for you to do because now you're in there in the room and they trust you enough to be a consultant and you can go in yeah, hey, you know, Armand, that's not going to work. Here's what we've seen it be working well, which is one, two, and three. And then now the DM goes, yeah, that actually might work, right? Or, or vice versa. But in terms of champions, what you get them and, and when you get them to actually start being live and, and really just contributing to the call with their champion on there, and that, that I think is the most useful part. Well, Tonito, this has been a phenomenal episode. We got to move ourselves to the last question, which is we have talked about a lot of great things salespeople should be doing. Let's talk about a shouldn't. The last question is what is one bad habit that you see a lot of salespeople exhibiting that they need to stop doing because it's hurting them much more than it's helping them? It's the recap email. I used to send out a paragraph long email and I used to rip every single feature in our product and slap it on that email. Surprised, they actually never read the email. I know this for a fact because I literally asked them. So that's one thing that I wouldn't do. I wouldn't go in there and make that email longer than, than even just a few summary points and areas of action items. That's my recommendation. Beautiful. Tonito, thank you for joining us. Everybody stick around for a 60-second recap coming up soon.
Today's deal acceleration cheat code is brought to you by Pipedrive, which is a CRM built by sellers for sellers. The best way to drive your pipeline forward is to every single day, pull up a list of all of your open opportunities and look at each opportunity by stage and think, what can I do today that will increase my likelihood of winning this deal? That's how you keep your ops moving forward in between meetings that you have on the calendar. Now we documented five cheat codes that can help you cut your sales cycle in half with Pipedrive. There's a link in the show notes to steal them. Your Zoom Info actionable insight tactic is called Jane's Moving Up. Why? Because that's the email subject line you'll use when you get a real-time notice that your prospect Jane just got promoted. From there in the email, explain how Zoom Info helps rising sales leaders win their first 90 days on the job by highlighting coaching opportunities or supporting a team-wide prospecting push. And you can try out this trigger-based email template for prospect promotion and four other scenarios inspired by Zoom Info's go-to-market plays. Link in the show notes. This actionable competitive tactic from Clue is the trap question. Steer discovery toward the winning zone. If we're competing with a podcast that has no newsletter or webinar series, we might ask a trap question like, how do you figure out if those podcast listeners are making their way to your mailing list? And when you're in a head-to-head, there's no better way to prepare for your next competitive battle than with our trap questions and battle card templates from our friends at Clue. The link's in the show notes. Your top four takeaways from this episode with Tonito De Leon include, number one, once you've identified some sort of use case or some sort of problem, now it's time to start whiteboarding this stuff out and say like, hey, what would you actually want this thing to look like? That brings me to number two, which is bring it back at the end of that session to what they're doing today and how far off their current state is from their vision state. Number three. When new members are brought onto the call, do not assume that they have been brought up to speed. You must bring them up to speed and don't just jump right into your demos, okay? And then lastly, number four is going all the way back to the cold call. Use self-deprecation. Whenever you screw something up, whenever someone's not happy, put it on yourself and people will put their guards down. All righty, Nick, how could people help us out here? You know what? It's Our show might not be very good, Armand. I feel like we might not have a great sales podcast. I'm trying to self-deprecate here. If you haven't rated us, there's a little thing on the podcast players where you can click a star. I like saying five stars because I like this show. You might not like it, though. If you wouldn't mind giving us a rating, it's not as much as a review, but at least gives me something to look at when I'm bored. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on 30 Minutes to President's Club. Gong's going to help you run the five-minute drill at the end of all of your calls today. At the end of a call, pressure test the prospect with three questions. Number one, do you want to buy? If the answer is no, why set a next step at all? Number two, when do you want to buy? If it's tomorrow, we got to move fast. Number three, how do you buy? Based on the first two answers, I can now adequately decide if and how I set a next step. And this was stolen from the Gong 30 MPC 90-Minute Masterclass, and you can steal it too in the show notes. Today's deal acceleration tip is brought to you by Demandbase. If you want to save a ton of time as a salesperson and be more relevant, I recommend you prioritize your prospecting by those prospects who are showing buyer intent. It'll keep you from making a bunch of noise and reaching out to folks who aren't in market, and instead you'll reach out to folks who are in market. Now, we built a bunch of templates to help you prioritize, accelerate, and win with Demandbase, and there is a link to those wonderful templates in today's show notes.